problematic that is. Welcome to Problem Addict, a weekly podcast about notoriously problematic pop culture icons from our favorite reality TV shows past and present, music videos, movies, and everything in between. Problematics, I'm really sorry this episode is late, but I've been really busy. I've been getting over jet lag. I guess that's like really stupid excuse, right? But uh, yeah, I'm coming from you uh, a little bit north of San Diego. I'm back on the West Coast and it feels good. I've had the perfect beach day. I've had way too many tacos, too many cervezas so far. Probably like three too many margaritas. But uh, the weather's great. It's great to be at my in-laws and uh, no one wears a mask in California. It's the craziest thing though. Not sure how I feel about that. But anyway, um, let's talk about Gossip Girl episode three. It's called Lies Wide Shut. And I hated this episode. I hated this episode so much. But you know what I really liked? I recently watched an HBO documentary called uh, Who Killed Garrett Phillips? It's on HBO Max. And uh, I think it was released about two years ago in 2019. And it is fascinating. It is so problematic. It is a really interesting look into what happens when a black man gets charged in a mostly white town, uh, upstate New York. Uh, and um, I'll get into it after I talk about Gossip Girl, but uh, somehow I'm going to just devote this entire episode to those two topics because I am still behind on the encore and on my other shows. So here we go. In my quest to hate watch Gossip Girl and tell you what's wrong, here's my beef. Davis Calloway is off to Berlin, and he says that he'll be back tomorrow. That's not a trip that real people make. You go to Berlin for the weekend. For the week. Uh, You spin a few tunes, you record a few demos, you hook up with a few studio session artists, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure that no famous DJ at least one that wins more Grammys than Diplo and Calvin Harris, goes to Berlin for the day and then returns back to New York City. Nope, not buying it. And is it me or does his entire personality like re- revolve around wearing hats? It's like, like, remember that joke like last year or a couple years ago that like being tall is not a personality, just like wearing hats is not a personality. And, okay, so this part, Julian is out basically yachting herself to appeal to men uh, of the right class and the right lifestyle appropriate for her to date, like this Italian prime minister's son hunting truffles. When did she have the time to go on all these dates? And as a conventionally attractive girl, why wouldn't these men want to date her? Is JC so undateable? And whatever happened to that show, Undateable? Wasn't that like a TLC show? MTV, maybe? If JC is so undateable, then why is she the queen bee? Anyway, and now that Zoya has the Prince of New York, and I'm going to call him the Prince of New York in a very, very ironic way because, let's face it, does anyone actually find Otto cute? And now Zoya has the Prince of New York on her arm, 
and he's more like the fourth cousin of the Prince of New York because I just don't find him attractive at all. And then Luna Law, Luna Law, Luna Law, these names, mentioned something so quickly, and that's another problem. They are going for that quick rapid-fire dialogue a la like Gilmore Girls. But here's the difference. Lauren Graham and Alexis Bledel were like terrific actors. This cast isn't. It's hard to really understand their lines. So this bit about Timothy Chalamet rescinding Julian's, or, Timothy Chalamet rescinding Julian's invitation is a bit clumsy and super forced. And then I had to look up what Luna was talking about because the MIP is the Marche International Day Programme de Communication, MIPCOM. Uh, it started back in 1985, and it is a French... Uh, international Market of Communications Programs, <laughs> whatever that means. It's basically like a world entertainment content market. Isn't that basically like TikTok? <laughs> and I feel that Julian's hair is too long. It probably needs to be taken down just like a little bit. She needs a trim. There, I said it. So Audrey shows up and uh, whisks JC away, and Audrey, I'm pretty sure, mispronounced Lueve. <laughs> I think she says, like, Lueve, <laughs> whatever. Uh, do you swear on your Lueve not to tell anyone? <sighs> she reveals she might have slept with Max. Okay, you did sleep with Max, and if they ever want to do a Clue movie remake, I think Audrey would be a terrific Mrs. White. <laughs> and JC will keep her secret and does not and says, consider my friend DA signed. <sighs> these, these, these are such bad jokes. These jokes are just so bad. Okay, and then Aki tells Obi Otto what happened. And then they all stare at each other at Max Wolf from different angles. And yes, JC does carry a Loewe in green suede, it looks like. So she carried an LV on her first day of school. Last week, she was carrying around a Speedy along with that corduroy Fendi purse, and now she's got a small green handbag that she can't carry books in for the third week in a row. But whatever. It's also weird that they put her in these oversized hoodies and these ugly fancy ladies who lunch handbags. Like, ugh. It's like, next thing you know, she'll be carrying a Todd's. <laughs> uh, sorry for all the people that like Todd's as a brand. Um, and the Constance Billard school crest is getting larger and larger on these uniforms, right? Like each week they get progressively larger. <laughs> They're just going to take up the entire like uniform the uh, by the end of the series. End of the uh, season. It's like this Hogwarts level of branding that I just don't like. And then Rima and Kate talk about something. Zoya is compared to Pizza Rat, and what happened to the no phones at school rule? <laughs> Wasn't that just last week? Or was that another show I watch? Pretty sure that was this show. <laughs> and another anvil drops on our heads because Otto tells Zoya why he's not on social media. <laughs> that if he turns out to take over the Gossip Girl account from the... What if he turns out to be... Like, he's going to take over the Gossip Girl account from the teachers, right? I think that's what they're saying. <laughs> And then Zoya adds that her dad is a lawyer. Did we know that before? So he was a attorney in Buffalo, and now he's an attorney in New York City, I guess. Hmm. So it looks like this show is going to shit on anything Zara, which is a huge mistake because 
some of these kids are wearing Zara. I'm pretty sure there's an entire Instagram page devoted to what these characters are wearing. And twice now, Julian and Luna have been in Zara. <laughs> and then Max tells JC why she's undateable. And he's right. He, she's too curated. She's a billboard. And then his Adderall must kick in because he's just blah, blah, blahing. And she's buying all of it. And there's a, like a lot of strummy, sharp violin music here. It's, it's, it's like knockoff Bridgerton. The teachers show up, and then I fell asleep, and then something about cybersecurity folks and uh, the case uh, and expose and expel Gossip Girl. We found out Jordan, the male teacher, is the computer science teacher, so he knows how to turn off the firewall off and on. And I just feel like the writing on the show is not good. <laughs> They're basically telling us right before important things, what these people do, so it seems like, oh, this is why this person is doing that thing. Of course, a computer science teacher knows how to turn on and off the firewall. Max's home life is fleshed out even more, though we really haven't seen anything of his home life since week one. His dads, his two dads, are eating, and uh, we see Rocky. Uh, Rocky is played by Carla Hall, Chef Carla Hall, and she's made mushroom risotto. I'm not going to call it uh, risotto a la fungi because that's just stupid. Um, and then they drop this like, the porcinis were really fresh at Italy. Whatever. Uh, Gideon, uh, one of the dads, the younger of the dads, is straight out of interview with a vampire. And he's heading to the Jeremy O'Harris play, Aaron. Um, Jeremy O'Harris wrote Slave Play. He co-wrote Zola. And um, apparently this is... In this Gossip Girl universe, the kids all love live theater, and it's the hottest ticket in town. I roll. Uh, and unless you're like a Barefoot Contessa fan, you had no idea what uh, the other dad's line about Jeffrey and Ina's hornbeam hedges means, but because I love the Barefoot Contessa, I'm like, oh, you must be designing something for my favorite like homemaker of all time. Cut to spaghetti at the lot house. Otto? goes on and on about the Navy Yard and how privilege ignores the realities of the systemic issues. Yes, Otto, it does. Now, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and mature Zoya now can't seem to stay off of her phone because she's trending. I think it's super ironic and funny that the younger generation keep getting shit on for always being on their phones, but I tend to find it's the older generation always reaching for their phones. The first ones to pick it up at the dinner table to show you something that they saw on Twitter or TikTok. I refuse to be part of that. I'm not sure what happens next with, Aud with Audrey and Aki during their sex scene, but I think she licks his butt. <laughs> uh, Max and Julian go to some club, and she's acting super uncool and loud, like a newly liberated 15-year-old New Jersey girl from the suburbs in her first trip to, to Manhattan. And does this really make her brand look good? being wasted in her underwear in the Daily Mail is supposed to make men flock to her. I don't understand the show. I don't understand this maxploration that she's going through. I don't understand any of it. Uh, and who are all these people? Her club buddies? They're not students. She snorts something 
She asks what it is, and the hostess replies, it's space coke. And JC says, is that cocaine from NASA? This joke is so cringe. Who writes this garbage? And why would anyone, I mean, I mean, like, do you, but I feel like ketamine and coke mixed together would just cancel each other out. <laughs> Uh, someone tell me if I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Um, it's all very Disney Channel goes bad. Anyway, uh, Luna is very fond of big, oversized, chunky cable knit sweaters and way too reliant on floral prints. She's wearing another floral print, and this one is brown and white or red and white, and I need her stylist to stop putting her in these prints. I don't think cool girls wear itsy-bitsy floral prints, especially not at Constance Billard. And for sure, if you call me, I'm not picking up. You can text me, but don't think I'll pick up a call if you call me. So the fact that she picks up her phone just like blows my mind from Zoya. And then while all this is happening, Monet is making out with a girl. <laughs> Luna is sipping like a lemon drop or something like out of her martini glass. Uh, and then Max Wolf is Instagram story, like this Instagram storying, uh, Julian, Julian Calloway doing lines. This show is so bad. I don't understand the point of this call or why Zoya and Luna would work together. They hate each other. Why does Aki have a cast on his wrist? And why do we not know why? <laughs> so Audrey and Aki are in bed and they get all these like gossip girl notifications about their relationship troubles. And then Julian feels comfortable talking about her ex-boyfriend Otto breaking up with her and dating her half-sister to a complete blonde stranger in the bathroom. This is why you shouldn't snort drugs, listeners. It makes you do stupid things. Oh my god. My dad, from both Max and Julian at the club, they say this at the same time. And why? So... This, there's this sitcom trope of why girls don't go to the bathroom by themselves, but JC is in the bathroom by herself, and without her publicist, she just spills the beans and can't keep her mouth shut. Maybe Julian should not go anywhere without Luna and Monet. I don't think we get the name of this club, but why is Davis Calloway here, partying with 16-year-olds? And is this really a club outfit that this girlfriend that his girlfriend has on? The uh, Beck from you? It's more cocktail hour bachelor vibes than trendy New York City nightclub, I think. I think it's also like a green and red floral dress. Stop with the floral. Which is ironic because I'm actually wearing a black and white floral print shirt right now, but whatever. Uh, and then Max finds out his dad has a scruff profile. And the teachers, I thought, were going to pin everything Gossip Girl has done on Rafa, the gay teacher, but instead, they choose the one woman of color. Otto and JC have a scene, and I'm so glad they're not dating. These two repel chemistry. It's like an improv scene with uh, an improv scene in a bad actor's workshop. She's carrying a tray of Starbucks. He's distracted, looking at Zoya from like behind, uh, and she's constantly telling students you can't use your phone at school while she's on her phone. It's I guess that's what teenagers are, though, right? Like, just con like walking contradictions. And then Aki and Audrey confront Max Wolf, and there's like 
like I said, there's like Bridgerton like vibe that the show sometimes falls into. And I think it's like one of the weaknesses, one of many weaknesses of the show, uh, where whenever they're talking about rumors and gossip being exposed, they do it with this like over the top of violin playing. And it's not as well done as it was on Bridgerton. I wouldn't even say it's like an homage or influenced by, it's like a direct ripoff and it's not seamlessly adapted into the show. And it needs to, it needs to go. So last night, after doing Rails of Space Coke, Julian went home to snoop for signs of her dad, Davis, having a girlfriend. And then Julian admits that she insta-stalked her and that she found out that her name is Lola Morgan and I want her to be one of the Morgans, like Sonia Rita Morgan. (laughs) I don't like Kate Keller. I I don't think anyone likes Kate Keller. Um, and now you can add Luna La to that list. Her list of things Zoya has to do is just plain and simple, dumb. Never speak in public? Huh? Never look directly at, at anyone? What? Wear contacts? So you can't see clearly? This is so dumb. And why is Luna telling... I'm sorry, why is Zoya telling Luna all about her grandmother and her rent-controlled apartment? This is totally going to come back to bite her. After telling her never speak in public, too. So Max wants Aki to create a fake scruff profile and uh, to use to basically entrap his own father, but not as himself, as the classics elective teacher Rafa. And then Aki says, this is ridiculous, even for you. And that's my episode title, This is Ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, Julian follows Lola to JC's P.Ed. Affair, which is, I think, like one of the funniest jokes of the episode, (laughs) inside of P.Ed. Affair. And he shoots a pic to Max, and Max confronts Gideon on his tux. Zoya arrives, and uh, rest in peace, Kmart. So she arrives to the public theater uh, uh, by Astor Place, which is down the street from the one and only Astor Place Kmart, which finally closed down about a month ago in New York City. She looks amazing in this tank dress and simple like hair like flowing. But you can tell this was shot during COVID. This street is practically empty, and New Yorkers know that that stretch of Astor Place is never not full of people. So JC and Davis are at the bar waiting for the show to start. And she jokes about being tired since he's just flew back from Berlin and he should have a coffee. I think, I think, uh, I mean, there are various levels of acting talent on this show, but I think JC might be one of the worst. I'm sorry to say. Um, Aki and Max got a response from Pops. And of course, Aki's passcode is 2046. And there's a little too much reliance on shades of brown, like actual like shades of brown on the show. Beige, nude, tan, copper. It's like Audrey and JC are basically in the same dress at the uh, opening night of Aaron. And Aki's blue denim jacket is cool, but his brown shirt is not. I guess it's more of a copper. Oh, I don't even know what color to call it. Tan. Anyway, uh, Lola enters Joe's pub. Joe's 
public the, the public theater rather and uh kisses davis who is surprised to see her but doesn't let on she calls this gesture romantic i don't know if i if like receiving a theater ticket the day of would be considered romantic it's more like a burden <laughs> but you know i'm antisocial like that so and i hate i, I hate going to live theater if you want to guarantee I fall asleep somewhere, call it live theater. I've never been able, like, I have a lot of actor friends that I had to go to shows and I think I've fallen asleep during every single performance of a friend I've been invited to. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Rafa shows up because Max invited him to opening night and he's a huge fan of Jeremy O'Harris's work. And Max says that he'll introduce them after the show and that's when we see Max's dads enter together. So here's where my mind goes. <clears throat> Gideon had an outfit, his younger dad, to wear to the show, but his older dad, Pops, nixed it, so Gideon wears something more butch tucks. But then Max says, no, you should change. So Gideon tries on this tailored Norma Kamali number, and then Max changes too. But Max gets to the show before him, and his dads show up together. So there's time that Gideon must have been chewed out by Pops for wearing this black dress that we don't see. And then he chooses to wear the dress anyway, with no uh, further conversation about why his husband made him change, and now he's wearing what he wants to wear. That seems like a very important scene that was just taken out, or like not even written. And then, of course, Max sits in between Aki and Audrey because he likes to be in the middle. Jeremy O'Harris, I notice, is sitting behind um, Max and his gay dads. And I think we finally find out that one of them is named Roy for the first time. And then the show starts, and it's pretty much how I assumed a Jeremy O'Harris play would go. That's not a read. That's just, <laughs> that's factual. <laughs> and then Obi Otto mentioned that the play is like four hours long. Um, while well, he's munching on some lemongrass chicken, I think, and JC interrupts, uh, I'm sorry, J yeah, JC erupts at her dad hiding his girlfriend Lola, and her acting is just so cringe. So the teachers are on the screen, and then I fell asleep. But as soon as Rima said, I like being a teacher, don't you? I knew these white assholes were going to frame her as the bad guy. And then, which is very important because that ties into who killed Garrett Phillips. And then two old white men have a talk about theater and Zoya interrupts them. She interrupts them uh, and she's so like passionate about what she's saying that Jeremy O'Harris walks over and does his cameo. I reserve judgment on like critic darlings. I don't know enough about his work, but I know there is like some backlash and I'm sure some of it may be racist, but I've never really, I've always found theater kind of boring and it's not a place I've ever wanted to go to to be challenged. So I think if you're trying to make challenging theater that's very uncomfortable and uh, different, unique, go see a Jeremy O'Harris play, I guess, if you want. If you don't, that's cool too. And then um, I think there are better forums and platforms to see, like, anything challenged. 
I don't know if live theater on stage and a monologue is it. Anyway, um, Max's two dads and his classics elective teacher all find out that Max was using them in his little scheme and Max's eyes fill up with tears and that's a good moment. But I don't understand what he thought was going to happen. No one cares. No one is going to end up happy in this mess. And then they sort of stopped paying attention because this episode was just so bad, so I don't know what really happened. But anyway, let's get into Who Killed Garrett Phillips. Who Killed Garrett Phillips aired in 2019, and um, I think I listened to a podcast about it probably early last year. But I came across the HBO doc the other day while I was packing for my trip to California, and I was so into it. I watched both parts one and two, and then I kind of got like an hour and a half of sleep before heading to the airport. It is the definition of problematic, this documentary. or well, not the documentary itself, but the police um, investigation. And the trial, too, as a matter of fact. And the trial, too. Uh, the case boils down to the strangulation of a 12-year-old boy in upstate New York, a small town called Potsdam, uh, on October 24th, 2011. The police force, all white men, quickly suspected that Nick... Hillary, a Jamaican man who was the soccer coach at a nearby university, was the, uh, what do you call that one? Oh my God. Um, I just like, my mind just came, uh, the assailant, the murderer, hmm. allegedly. Um, he was also the ex-boyfriend of the boy's mother and police quickly suspected him. Um, the boy's mother's name was Tandy Cyrus. And this doc and the documentary um, basically follows the investigation, uh, the interrogation, the arrest, and the trial um, of Nick Hillary. There's another man. There, the documentary is really, really interesting, and it's fascinating that there is another man that Garrett's mother dated, and his name is John James. Sorry, John. Jones? John Jones. He happened to be a law enforcement officer. And he is sketchy as fuck. He had a history of intimidating Tandy. And uh, yeah, it's... He was also there when Tandy was questioned. He was there by her side for everything. And a couple of things I need to like um, mention... On October 24th, 2011, at 5.07 p.m., the downstairs neighbors in this apartment building that Garrett Phillips lived in with his mother, Tandy, the downstairs neighbor calls the police to report that she heard a scream for help in the Phillips apartment. Um, that was 5.07. At 5.24, when police arrived on the mother's door, they reported hearing someone walking around inside the apartment. The mother was at work. Tandy was at work, I believe. So Tandy wasn't even home. So it's, I guess they've speculated that uh, Garrett was inside the apartment with his killer. At 534, when police and the apartment manager opened the door to the apartment, they find Garrett's dead body. The responding police officer tries CPR, then leaves the building and leaves a CPR to the apartment manager. Uh, Nick 
the prime suspect has two alibi witnesses that place him elsewhere during the time of the crime. Ian, uh, I think his last name is Fraser, uh, is one of Nick's alibi witnesses, and he was heavily pressured by police to change his story, but he refused and insisted he was telling the truth. Um, he also swears that there's no way that Nick Hillary could have killed Garrett based on the time frame and that Nick was not acting out of the ordinary, which is what the police kept trying to insinuate uh, with the questioning. He was also threatened, uh, the, al the alibi witness, was threatened and followed around New York State by members of the Justice for Garrett campaign to try to bully him into changing his story. So he used to live in Potsdam, Potsdam rather, and then he moved to Buffalo. And when he moved to Buffalo, the Justice for Garrett signs followed him to Buffalo, which means people were just like putting up these signs to, to harass him no matter where he went trying to get him to change his story. Um, but Ian actually comes out like a really good guy. He's like really one of the few people that is always on Nick's side. Now, there's a lot of questionable police activity. So much questionable police activity. Um, a police canine arrived at the crime scene after the murder and picked up a fresh foot trail leading from the ground below the window where the killer probably allegedly jumped then went left onto Market Street, then right onto Washington Street, and went towards the railroad tracks. Nick was nowhere near these railroad tracks. He was at his apartment, a few blocks away, with his daughter, and he was with Ian, a few blocks away. Both addresses are in the exact opposite direction of the railroad tracks. Lieutenant Mark Murray, the problem, ugh, this motherfucker, who shot like this video footage claimed Nick had a significant limp, which spread this rumor, this spread like wildfire. It wasn't until the same video footage surfaced that we now see for ourselves that he was lying. There's no limp at all. The, basically, uh, Lieutenant motherfucker says uh, he, Nick jumped out the window, injured his leg, scraped his uh what's that thing he scraped his ankle and um is guilty but he's it's he's not the search warrant was granted several hours after police had already detained and searched nick on january 27th 2012 um three months after garrett's death and an unsolved murder the Potsdam police chief resigned. He was only the police chief for a year and a half. I feel like you must have been hiding something. Uh, on October 25th, 2011, the day after the, the morning after the murder, even before the autopsy report had been issued, designating the boy's death a homicide, Lieutenant Motherfucker told an assistant DA in a phone conversation that although there were rumors that kids had attacked Garrett, Murray was cutting the heads off those accusations. Why would he try to stop those rumors rather than investigate them? There is There are reports um, that Garrett was severely bullied by older children in the neighborhood, so it may not have been an adult that killed him. Murray and uh, the deputy sheriff Jones, uh, John Jones, the ex-boyfriend of the, the victim of the mother, vic <laughs> the mother of the victim, rather, uh, Murray and Sheriff Deputy Sheriff Jones are friends, and they play on the same adult men's hockey team. 
And it's really funny how there's like, there's no physical evidence, no DNA, no fingerprints, no eyewitnesses. This case is just bonkers. It's like this, this case is so bonkers that they got a friend of the prosecuting attorney on the jury. <laughs> like that's wild to me. And my man, Nick Hillary, did something super smart, super courageous. He opted for a trial with no jury because he knew that in this very small town, predominantly white town, he was not going to get a fair trial. So the judge declared him not guilty. The judge, once again, declared him not guilty. Hey, all you problematics. Thanks for listening. Check me out on Instagram. I can be found at problematicpod. It's problematicpod. And leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Check you next time. Thanks for listening.